How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Ask LFC podcast. Uh, my name is Harrison Gilming, Worship Arts Director here at Lake Forest in Huntersville. Sitting down today with... Jeff Cook, uh, responsible for duties as assigned. <laughs> okay. Uh, you caught me off guard with the job title there. Um, this is episode 21 of the podcast. So the podcast is now... In every possible way, an adult that can get into lots of trouble. So we can we can go into all kinds of topics now that we've been holding back glad, on. Glad I'm here for yeah, this. Yeah, when the podcast was only, you know, twelve and we couldn't go there. Now we're twenty one and the gloves are off. Just kidding. We're not talking about anything bad. Um awesome. Well, Jeff, thanks for, for jumping in. I thought first, just as kind of a sneak peek, we've been uh for about the past Coming up on six weeks, uh, we've spent a majority of our summer in one series that's uh, been all about God stories, mm-hmm. and we've been enjoying that a lot, um, getting to hear from some stories of uh, some, some you know, slightly well-known characters, but mainly uh, there, there have been some that we don't spend a lot of time on. Um, and have gotten to gotten to walk through some of that stuff, but we want to give you a sneak peek of what is coming up next here at the very beginning of August. Yes, uh, and I will even before we get there, I will slightly tip the hat uh, that this Sunday will be a little different than maybe we're used to, and I think it's gonna be really really good. Yeah. Uh, but so the next series uh, is entitled "Act Like a Christian." Mm. Um, <laughs> Which could sound a little inflammatory. It could. But we really don't mean it that way. Uh, there's so many things. Like one of the things I fell in love with first about Lake Forest is the way that Lake Forest's vision for what it is to be a follower of a, a follower of Jesus engaged in the world. Hmm. Uh, I just think is is on point. I respect it. Uh, I'm excited about it. And so really, we're we're kind of hammering down on just the nitty gritty of what that looks like uh, in this next series, which I think is going to be really good. Yeah. Including their, you know, every, every church or even organization. A lot of you guys know this is as a lot of people who go to our church are part of uh, businesses or corporations. You work at banks, you work at racing companies that people have uh, they have vision statements and they have core values and they have strategies. Mm-hmm. Um, so really uh, it's a it's a real fancy way for us really to just talk about how we feel like God has called us to um, how God has called us to grow personally and as a church. Mm-hmm. Is that a good and summary? I, it is. And I would even add the the lens that, you know, I mean, I talk about a lot. We talk about a lot that like we're I mean, we're family. Right. And, and everyone's family, whether or not you got it on paper, kind of has this right. Like for us, it's kindness. In my household, like kindness is more important than excellence in my home. Mm -hmm. Um, And we all know that. And so that helps us to make decisions, helps us to know where we want to we want to lean in and grow, where we want to stretch ourselves. And so this will be a little bit of that for for us as a family. Yeah. And the the caveat to the title that I think is helpful is that um, there are a lot of voices uh, talking about what it means to be a Christian or not a Christian. There are people who claim themselves to be Christians that 
other people who claim to be Christians look at them and they're like, seriously, like that's, that's how you're acting. So the, the series for us is also a chance to kind of take a step back and say, well, if you're looking at, uh, if you're looking at the words of Jesus, if you're looking how God wants us to live, what is, what does God's word really say about what it means to act like a Christian? So it's a little bit of us hitting, hitting a reset button in a way mm-hmm. on some of that. So sure. that is going to start right at the very beginning of August. Uh, this week is our final week, as Jeff mentioned, uh, wrapping up this series called God Stories. And uh, so we just want to take a minute and follow up on a couple things, a couple ideas from what Jeff talked about uh, on Sunday. Jeff preached this last Sunday and talked about, uh, talked about Solomon. And um, there was a quote that you had that uh, there was a little bit of discussion online on the Facebook chat. So I wanted to see if you could unpack this statement a little bit because on its surface, it looks uh, it looks a little tricky, mm-hmm. kind of like uh, kind of like some stuff Jesus said about rich people and camels and needles and things <laughs> like that. Yeah, so yeah. the quote is this: it says success success is the greatest danger to the follower of Jesus. So, what you mean? <laughs> so, well, so I think there's two two aspects to this. Because when we say success, there's probably a couple things you're actually thinking about. And so what most of the time gets talked about is financial success, material success, having stuff. And the danger in having stuff and how we look to that for pleasure and we don't really go to God. Yes, that's not really what I was talking about on Sunday. Because Sunday we were talking about Solomon. And so, yeah, Solomon had a bunch of stuff. Solomon pursued pleasure. But, but as we talked about on Sunday, where a lot of that came in, the thing that cracked open the door was pride. Mm-hmm. Um, and the pride was about the fact that Solomon was set on a task, a monumental, historical, arguably eternal task to, to be the one that builds the temple where God is worshiped for all time, right? That's, I mean, that's a big deal. And, and this wasn't, there's no modern construction. I mean, this was two decades. Yeah. It took him to build this thing. He was only able to do it because of all the things that God put into play. And then he reaches this, this culmination where he finally accomplishes this thing. And in that accomplishment, there's got to be a feeling of, of uh, pride in yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's other people patting him on the back and lifting him up for, for how great he is. And there's also probably a feeling in his heart that he's like, check, like I've done the thing. I have succeeded. I have arrived. Now I can coast because that's what we do, right? Like I don't, very few people go to the gym on a consistent, regular basis their whole life. Like usually there's an event coming up. It's going to be summer. I'm trying to recover from holiday, whatever. Right. Like there's usually an accomplishment that drives us. Mm. And then for some people, it becomes a lifestyle and a way we live. And for some people, it just kind of it just kind of becomes a, hey, I hit the mark and now I can coast. Right. Until things get too bad. And then if I'm lucky, I get back in there and do what I need to do. And I think that spiritually, that's if we're honest with ourselves, that's probably what a lot of us do, too. Right. Like, I'm, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm an ordained minister and I will tell you right now, I know I got that in me. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but, but so I, at risk of talking too long, um, I was really thinking about this because sometimes I stay stuff and like, then I step back. I'm like, well, maybe I shouldn't have said that, but this is not one of those things. So, so I thought about it in three contexts, right? So there's, uh, in the cultural societal and personal, uh, and this is, I'm just talking history, right? So, so speaking societally, if you look at the Christian faith throughout the, the millennia, any time a faith, the Christian faith has been oppressed in a certain environment, when it has not been the, the majority successful accomplished thing, mm-hmm. when it has been pushed down and people have suffered as a result of it, it flourishes and thrives. That was true in Rome. That's true in China. I mean, like, that's just true. You could look at minority and majority cultures in America and see that to be true. Uh, when you look at it culturally, you know, I, I spent some years working with the homeless. Um, and man, talk about faith. I mean, faith like like you can't even imagine yeah. because of the marginalized, oppressed lifestyle that they were living, the, the situation they were in. Um, and then if you just think personally, right, like I don't know how many times I've been up again, back against a wall, no idea how I'm going to make it through the, the stress or the strain or whatever it is, the season I'm in. A lot of us probably feeling that right now. And man, is God clear in those instances? And so, so if those are the instances where I see God most clearly, then by proxy, when I'm, when I'm doing great, like when I've done the thing and I'm feeling good about it and everyone thinks I'm awesome, that is when I, in my human sinfulness, are least likely to look for or see God. And, and that's why I say the greatest danger for the follower of Jesus, because for the follower of Jesus, the ultimate goal is relationship with God. Which, by definition, a relationship is never, there's never a finish line to a relationship. You can't win <laughs> the relationship nope. and get to a point where you go, I've accomplished it. I had the relationship is right. is good. I'm good now. Yeah. So now we don't have to. Yeah, that's that's really good. And I a, a thought that I had that was interesting. I on Sunday, a follow up to what you're just saying as well, is it makes you feel a little bit a little better in a way. This the Bible has a good way of doing this, as we've seen and talked about even through some of these minor characters and the way that God is using flawed people. So you have this guy Solomon that was given this gift of crazy amount of wisdom. So even for this dude that had the most wisdom that you would think should see these pitfalls and these traps coming Mm -hmm. for whatever reason in his own, probably if it was someone else he was giving advice to, he could list five ways to fix the problem right away. Mm -hmm. And, and then he'd feel great about himself, but there's something about it being our own situation that makes it a little bit harder to see in ourselves. Oh yeah. Uh, there is, and I, I, some of these things, I don't know if they're recovery idioms or if they're just cultural, but I heard it in recovery, but a lot of it, like trying to see your own sin, your own faults is kind of like trying to see your own forehead without a mirror. Yeah. Like you, I mean, you know, it's there, you kind of know what it looks like, but you can't see it unless there's somebody there to reflect it, which is the importance of, of community, right? The importance of being able to, to gather and, 
do life with each other. And not only, yeah, not only community, but being able to build that community in a way where you are, uh, you're vulnerable enough with a few key people that they have the ability and have built up the trust to be able to say something to you that probably the king over the entire land probably at that point did not have many people who he could trust in that spot or, or I mean, it's a larger scale, but it's the same thing. We, I'm sure we have people, um, you might have people in your life that see these things, but they know that if they come to you with that, that they're going to get their head bit off um, because the Mm -hmm. defensiveness springs right up. That's I just finished an hour and 15 minute coffee uh, with a friend of mine who, who has that permission. And, and we had like 10 minutes left and I just wanted to share excitement I had over a thing. Uh, And so really I just wanted to be excited. Right. And so like I lay the thing out and he was like, I mean, that's great, but what about this? And what about that? <laughs> and so, I mean, sure, there's part of me that's like, dude, just, I mean, just be excited. Yeah. But, but there's also a part of me that, like, I've learned I value that because that, it may not change where I stand on a thing or how I'm going to do a thing, but it refines it. Hmm. So how do you think that particularly, to take it one step further, um, as I mentioned before, that's the other thing that I was thinking of is where Jesus particularly says it's it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, d- does your does your does your statement before have any connection to that or or if sure yeah what do you I I mean I think it does um, and I like I'm willing to be corrected on this but arguably. Uh, my opinion on this is informed by our culture. Mm -hmm. And so I can only speak for the culture I live in, which there's a lot of similarities between our culture and maybe a a Roman culture that would have been in Jesus time. Uh, But, but material possessions, wealth, all those things are so deeply connected in our culture to success uh, that the, the whole concept of pride over accomplishment is really mirrored for a lot of us without even realizing it uh, in material possessions. Perfect example, there was a time uh, in our culture where if you were heavier, that was sought after, that was desired because it was an indicator of wealth, Hmm. which meant success. Then we've gone through other seasons where like the 90s of grunge rock, that was like the complete opposite, right? there are these indicators that we don't even realize are programmed into us that we connect with a feeling of like good about myself. Right. And, and I think particularly uh, for, for those of us that are living in a majority culture, not necessarily struggling each and every week. Now I know there are those that are, but there's a lot that are not like we can eat. Uh, We're not wondering where our food's going to come from. Uh, that really does become kind of a, a tell towards what we all are striving for, even if we're not materialistic foundationally. Like we love God. We want to serve God. We want to use everything we have for God. But the, that's where devil sneaks in through our sinful selves and attaches us too much to the indicators of that success and not enough to what we're using them for. 
Yeah, in there, I, I've always felt that there's like a simpleness to um, to what Jesus said that we feel the need to overcomplicate. But there are some other things that he, you know, he talked about that I think says a lot about the mindset of a lot of the folks that he was speaking to that may not have been as well off. Where he, you know, he's he's saying, look at the look at the flowers of the field. Are they worried? That, uh, are the birds worried about where? their next meal is going to come from. No, mm-hmm. because I, I watch over them and I, I, I've, I've had the same experience as you and on some mission trips I've been on and sitting down with some pastors, uh, in other countries who just have nothing and you just marvel at their faith. And, and I remember asking one of them one time or someone in our group asked, where does that faith come from? And it was, they basically said, I've had large seasons in my life where I've had to just depend on God for where's my next meal going to come from or how am I going to pay to live where I'm living for the next month? And then God provides and then he provides again, then he provides again. There's like a simpleness to um, having to trust in the provision of God that would frighten a lot of us. Mm -hmm. If I've rarely, if ever in my life had the experience of, truly worrying am i going to be able to be able to bring a next meal to myself or to my family and you know that that's part of the the one of the barriers jesus doesn't says jesus doesn't say it's impossible he says he said it's hard (laughs) so that's there is the the two years so i graduated seminary with with college debt right like i had a wife and a kid when i went to seminary um, and seminary is not cheaper than other schools. <laughs> so we're clear. Um, and I graduate and my first job was, was a missionary. So like, I mean, I raised my salary yep. and so I literally had to, and man in 20th century America, 21st century, 21st. I guess back. Well, but, but no, yeah, it was 21st. Um, <laughs> I was like, how long ago was yeah, this? Yeah. I'm back in 1905. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but point being, I can't tell you the number of times we're 250 bucks short yeah. and a check is in the mailbox for 250 bucks. Like, I mean, there's no discounting it. God, God provides for his people. He didn't provide comfort. He didn't provide all the, like, he's not going to give me every toy I want, but man, when I need to eat, I always eat. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so long as I'm on mission for him. One last um, random thought I'll share that I thought was neat, just as a kind of as a kind of add on to the particular topic of Solomon. I shared this with you, Jeff, and with another person or two on Sunday morning. But there was a, a really neat thing that I heard that's kind of a tangent to Solomon's story in. Uh, as you as you're reading about the temple being built, this was a, a sermon I had heard from uh, a friend of our church named Chris Brown, who lives out in California, I think San Diego area out there. Uh, and he had a sermon he was giving to a room full of folks that serve in the church, and he was talking about the temple, as you mentioned, took decades to build. And there's there's a whole section of there's a bunch of these written about. The, the details given by God about the construction of the temple were very um, in-depth. Yep. They're Specific. very precise. Yep. And that there are sections of particularly the Old Testament that you can get to if, you're, if you've ever 
tried to read through a book like Second uh, Chronicles, where um, there's portions of that that you're kind of tempted to just, yep. just kind of glaze over. You glaze bit. over because they're talking about this this section needs to be made of this kind of stone and it will have this many columns and mm-hmm. th- it's all the all the instructions were captured so he sh- he read a passage of 10 verses or so that was talking about one of the columns of the temple and talking about the adornments that were going to be inscribed on it, and it was going to have these engravings of pomegranates and it was going to be you know inlaid with gold and precious gems and it took a group of workers like years of their life to do the work on these columns. And the part that they worked on was the top of the column. And you, you do the math and realize a couple verses later that this work that they did on the top of a column, they lift these columns up in the air. And all that work was about 40 feet high mm-hmm. <laughs> where um, almost nobody is going to see and appreciate the work that was done on that. But... Uh, but they did it to honor God and God was honored in it. And then in the beauty of it and in those details that, um, there is a aspect of the work that we do, whatever, whatever you do. And that's like as hands-on as it gets of, of work. I mean, it's, it's carving things into stone. These were not the priests. These were not, um, religious leaders or anything like that. So these guys were doing this work. Uh, that they were called to do, and they just directly did it for God for some appreciation that they were they were not going to be receiving a lot of. Um, mm. And I just thought that was that's a, a really neat thing to reflect on. Is as you think about the temple, particularly, there are probably you know three hundred little groups of people that had their little project part of the temple that they, it was their pride and joy that. Um, it all came together to make this one beautiful thing that honored God, but right. we work. What, what I find interesting. So if I can tangent on that for a minute, uh, we were talking about in staff devotion the other day. Um, uh, there's a, a passage, uh, I think it's Philippians three thirteen, but you know, a lot of people know it's, I, you know, forgetting what lay behind, I look to what's ahead and press on towards the prize, mm-hmm. uh, for which Jesus Christ called me heavenward. And so, and the question, so the question I asked was like, what's, what's the prize, right? And, and we all just kind of talked about that a little bit. Not, not like theologically, what's the prize, but like, let's just have real conversation. What are you looking forward to? And a lot of it was like, it's heaven. It's getting to heaven. It's, it's the things that I did in this life that, that really only God sees. Um, and, and it kind of occurred to me, I had a, a situation like a week ago, we ordered, we've wanted a porch swing since we moved down here. And uh, we finally got one, ordered it. It came like it fits a bed, like it's that yeah. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm putting it together. It's 105 degrees in the garage. None of the lead holes are where they're supposed to be. This anchor came out. I had to fix Like, I'm, I mean, other than cutting the wood, I feel like I'm building it myself. Yeah. But so three hours, I put the thing together. I put the mattress on. But then, right, my wife comes out and sees it and sits in it and enjoys it and the joy that she experienced at the thing I labored for that was the prize and I feel like that's a lot of this life and the next with God like we're not trying to earn our way into heaven we're not trying to earn credits 
but it's not about everybody else. It's about him and what he sees. And it's not like we're going to get there and he's going to be like, well, you didn't do enough for me. You can't come. Mm -hmm. But the joy that he could experience at what I've done, that would, that to me sounds like a prize. And that's what I press on towards. That's really good. Um, I think that's about all we have for you guys say, look at us clocking in under 30 minutes here. Um, I'm not saying look at who your guests are. (laughs) That's right. Um, we appreciate you guys sitting down with us today. Um, I'm sure we will be back at it next week. Uh, actually we may, there may be a week off here between this one and the next episode. We'll see. Uh, there may be a chance of that happening, but, uh, keep your eyes open for that. And uh, as we as we just touched on a little bit earlier, um, if you're listening to this, we're uh, assuming you're you're one of our kind of first follower types of people. So keep your eyes open to uh, over the next couple weeks, just uh, communication coming about what's happening on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings. We are as we've been and as we put every caveat on all this, as we've opened the doors back up for in-person worship, we've really been. Uh, just trying to go week to week and see and figure out what's the best way to pull all this stuff off. So uh, what's what's happening right now may not be the thing that's happening in two weeks. So we'll keep you guys in the loop as as we know and as we figure that stuff out as Jeff drops his phone on the ground. But it looks like it has a good case. So oh, yeah. It's probably not good. When you have uh, as many children as Jeff and I have in our house, the number one investment you can make is in oh, yes. a basically phone indestructible phone case because uh, there are there are toddlers that right. use it for second is paper towels. Yes, paper towels, Lots paper towels in a phone case. You you have about half of what you need in the world right there. <laughs> so uh, anyways, thank you guys for jumping in here with us. We will catch you soon. Take care. Adios.